Hey, beautiful people, you're listening to Dear Seekers. This is Sasha Shell, or Sasha Folks, I guess. I recently just got married, and I'm in transition to adapting to my husband's last name. It was my decision to make this change, but I feel like during this in-between time period, I'm almost navigating between two identities, which, in a way, is kind of exciting. You know, it's like getting a new haircut. The old me, quote unquote, is being transformed into a new version of myself. But the core essence and values that I hold are still here. I'm still me. Well, in case you don't know who I am, though, I am a journalist by trade, a storyteller by heart, and now I'm working as a social media strategist. Okay, enough about me. Now let me tell you about today's guest. She is a rock star. She has been very much integrated in the community she has built, but very much staying away from the press. Instead of being a talker, she's more so a doer. With a master of architecture at the University of Waterloo and a master of fine arts at Oka University, she has been able to offer a unique perspective on art and architecture. She is a curator, designer, teacher. And the co-founder of the beloved Design To, formerly known as the Toronto Design Offsite Festival, they will be celebrating their 10-year anniversary in January 2020. If you have been to the festival, you know what I'm talking about. You know how special it is. It's like a treasure hunt in the city, where the art and installations are being appreciated. The hidden gems are being discovered, and the special connections are being formed. If you haven't been yet, hmm, you know what you got to do. And who is this woman? Da 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 da. She is Deborah Wong. We chat about her perspectives between life and death. Her creative processes and why she isn't someone who plans ahead. A trigger warning, though, we will be talking about her personal experience attending her grandpa's funeral. So, if you recently lost someone or are still in the process of healing, you may want to pause here and come back another time when you are ready. But that being said, her experience isn't anything negative. In fact, it's something actually quite beautiful. But just wanted to give you a heads up. And before we're diving in today, I'm hoping you can head to Apple Podcast to leave us a review. It will really help other women to find us. Not trying to guilt trip you or anything, but I've spent a lot of time and love into this. So if you can take a second, I really appreciate it. And also, just think about this: another woman somewhere might need to hear some of these conversations, you know, to just lift her up. Help her get through her day. So thank you so much. All right, shall we do it? Let's go. Um, I guess I wanted to start to talk about your relationship with this house because you did mention about the history and then the story behind it. Sure. So I live in a Victorian house、mm-hmm. from the late、um, 1800s, and 
Yeah, we moved in here maybe about 14 years ago, and it was split up into two apartments. So we lived in the ground floor apartment, and other people lived in the upstairs apartment. Um, and then a couple years after that, we bought the house, and we kept it that way. Um, I guess mainly, you know, to be able to afford it. You know, housing was still much more affordable 10 years ago, but for us on kind of creative uh, <laughs> salaries. As we all know. <laughs> uh, we still need to kind of, you know, make all the ends meet. Yeah, and then a few years ago, um, me and my husband decided to take over the whole house just to have more space, essentially, you know, mm-hmm. to have, I really wanted to have a dining room table, you know. And I kind of want to explore the idea of, you mentioned you you and your husband, Will, right? That's yeah. That's his name. Yeah. You both love stuff, uh, objects, and um, yeah. but at the same time, in a way that when you, redesign the first floor you almost kind of purposely want to hide them yeah so what do you think why (laughs) is that like you like them but you want to hide them away yeah um I think so I guess there's some areas like in the dining room with the shelving so things are out you know there are books there are tchotchkes there are there's you notice the sculpture that I had made there are works of art by other people um and so those things are out but yeah I think a lot of stuff is like we love stuff, you know, I think we're both kind of collectors verging on hoarders, pack rats, you know, whatever else. And I think that's maybe because we're both maybe a bit sentimental, you know, and so we're kind of attached to things, um, especially things that are, you know, maybe from other people or have memories of other people. So we have lots of even things that are like, don't work like we have an umbrella from Will's granddad that does not work it's broken but we keep it because he passed away you know a while ago and and things like that or we have a trumpet neither one of us plays the trumpet you know so we have these things that are kind of about remembering other people um and then but there's that yeah the aspect of kind of hiding it away so when we were in my kitchen you know we were everything is kind of put away and so part of that's also just kind of to create like a sense of calmness um in and amongst all the stuff so I think yeah, there's very much an aspect of our house that's a little bit of a refuge. Mm-hmm. Um, as a as a friend pointed out, like, you know, I don't invite that many people over. So if you do come over, you know, you're kind of being welcomed into a very kind of special place for us. That's mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very uh, private. Oh, I almost feel like your home is kind of like an antique shop. <laughs> Not necessarily the stuff is old, yeah. but it's like the idea of like discovering something when you have a second turnaround or um, you have a second eye, as soon as I turn around, like, oh, I didn't notice that. And mm. it, it was there the whole time. Um, so the books we actually have down here, and later I'll take you upstairs to the office Ooh. studio if you want, a little peek into the messy. Um, Love that. That's where all the magazines, a lot of the magazines are and other mm. paperbacks and also just a lot of the stuff. That's the room that will make you think we are hoarders, maybe. Um, <laughs> down here, not That's so the most interesting part. <laughs> Sorry, we didn't take any photo so yeah you can imagine in in your imagination you'll have to exactly um but the books down here yeah it was interesting to kind of decide what was going to go down here um they're mainly um they're architecture books art books but my um husband used to work in the library when he was a teenager and his mother's a librarian um so they're they're in some kind of dewey decimal system that's so cool Yeah, and then the rest, there's other stuff around, I guess. Like, so when you're actually looking for a book, you can actually find it. You should be able to yeah, find it. Yeah, that's a good idea because sometimes I, I think a lot of people have, when they have a lot of books, they just kind of shuffle it there and then sometimes they lost it. Into everything. Yeah. yeah, I think that's probably what's happening more upstairs. Like, you know, I have like these piles of books that are all maybe related to like 
you know, death or like related to another subject matter. Mm. And so upstairs, it's more just like these clusters um, and then just piles. But uh, one day that'll get organized. And I'm glad you mentioned about death because, I mean, one of your projects actually is exploration of between life and death. Is that something, a subject that you always are interested in? Or why do you think even you gave examples about the magazines, that was the only topic you mentioned. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it was something that I explored very deeply during my um, Master of Architecture um, research. And so I kind of did a very untraditional architectural master's um, in the sense that uh, I went to a university where I could do whatever I wanted. And I was encouraged by that. And my thesis supervisor supported that. And I actually ended up doing a thesis that wasn't very architectural in a traditional sense at all, in the sense that it had no buildings, it had no site, um, but it was about this relationship. And so much about architecture is about relationships and culture and um, people. And so this thesis was about that. Yeah, it was about the relationship between life and death explored through a lot of things, um, including some um, personal narrative, um, personal storytelling, um, as well as through art, um, like the art of others, not not made by me, um, and then through a series of photographs and sculptures that were made by me. Yeah, and so the sculpture that you're uh, that you saw and that you're referring to is uh, cast plaster uh, and half of it is white and kind of smooth and pristine and then the other half is quite gnarly and is encrusted in dirt and has a very organic shape because it was cast in soil and so I have a series of sculptures yeah that are half cast in soil as the mold and then half cast in another mold. And so for me, it's kind of speaking about kind of what's below ground and what's above ground. Um, and this kind of like intersection or line between the two. What is your perception between life and death? Well, that we're always kind of um, in between both of them. Always? Yeah, I think, so? you know, like, we're dying right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which so, is a very depressing thought. It's a little bit depressing. But um, it's also kind of beautiful in a way, you know, that we're all that death is not necessarily, although of course sometimes it happens in very uh, traumatic or tragic ways, but it's not, um, you know, it's not a thing in and of itself, you know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't just happen one day that we're all on that path, (laughs) you know, we're on that kind of continuum that somehow we're always in between these two states. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that that can also be quite beautiful. Um, and maybe liberating in a sense, you know, mm. um, and that our relationship with people have who have died, you know, continues onwards. And a lot of that happens through objects. Mm. Yeah. Really and memories, obviously, too, but definitely through matter things. Yeah. Right. Have you personally experienced any death before? Uh, yeah. Um, not, no one's super close, but my grandparents. Yeah. And I think that, um, and I speak about this in my in my thesis that I went to two funerals in Taiwan. Um, that's where my grandparents are from. And they were, like, they just totally blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, my parents didn't really prepare me <laughs> for what was going to happen. I mean, I was an adult already by the time. Uh, my grandfather died. I was 21, you know, so I was an adult. But, you know, I think I could have used a little bit of like preparation for what was going to happen because it's completely different than how we treat death in North America. You know, it's 
super intimate. I don't know if you've had this mm-hmm. experience before. Um, it's super intimate. Um, there's so many kind of rituals um, that are very tactile and um, emotive and... Um, you know, like, for example, you know, my grandfather got cremated and then, but they don't cremate them to ash there, right? They actually come and there's a tray oh, yes. of bones mm-hmm. and it's this thing called bone picking. That I was, I didn't even know existed until. And I didn't know that till um, I was told I was actually the the high, most luxurious method. Oh, I didn't yeah, know that you could either. actually choose between few um, ways to do it. And that was actually the most expensive, luxurious outcome or something you yeah. could actually pick okay which was mind-blowing to me i didn't I felt, know that yeah yep like, so then you know then you get in line with all your relatives your cousins and your aunts and uncles and you physically put the bones into the urn mm-hmm. like the whole procession the the chanting and buddhist um you know practice there's so much chanting and bowing and burning of paper money you know you all stand around at the back of the funeral place and you hold a string and you burn paper money you know it's just like you're just so immersed in Mm -hmm. all of that Mm -hmm. um and it's and then you go to the um columbarium you know to put the urn in its place and there's more chanting you know it's just like this whole day where you're just you know, really all, it's just, yeah, it's totally different than an experience here. Right. Um, and other than almost seeming like a little bit foreign to you at yeah. that point, we experienced this, what other kind of emotions or um, feelings you had from attending your grandparents' funeral? Um, yeah, there's a deep, deep kind of sadness. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's this interesting aspect that's like so much about life because, you know, in that Chinese culture, it's so much about your descendants and your ancestors, both like respecting the ones that you that are came before you. But then also this relationship between that and then everyone who's come after the descendants, mm-hmm. you know, and so you do experience um, this really close tie with your family by going to the funeral mm-hmm. and having everyone there right. and everyone's doing this, you know, ritual together. together. Mm. We're all wearing black, mm. you know, and the robes and the bowing and the chanting and, you know, yeah. eating all together. Yeah. yeah, yeah so there's yeah. actually a very, you know, large sense of, uh, yeah. of family and community. I mean, there are the other people who come too, but at the end of the day, it's very clear that mm-hmm. the people you're actually related to by blood, that's the most kind of important right. Um, right. aspect. What's well, so the Chinese saying? Blood is like stronger than water or something. I have no idea. I'm making things <laughs> up now. I believe I you. <laughs> do I sound convincing? You do, you do. <laughs> so let's go back to talking about this home mm-hmm, sure so does this home remind you some of the the kind of memories of your childhood like what was your childhood oh. house or home or sure. your own room look like my childhood house was very different we grew up in a uh, 1960s house uh, which had a white shag carpet in the living room 
And when you actually entered the house, I think all my friends thought this was so amazing. And actually, I, I, I mean, I was used to it because I lived in that house since I was six years old. But, uh, you know, when I go back to visit my parents, I realize how amazing it is. But basically, you walk into the um, entry of my parents' house and there's like a whole mirror wall that's mirrored. Like the entire oh, wow. wall is mirrored. It's actually kind of crazy. <laughs> when you like, as a kid, you just kind of get used to it, right? You're like, this right. is just you what my house really looks question. like. You don't yeah. question it. My house looks like this, right? And then, but later, as your friends come over and they're like, whoa, what's this? Like, it's literally like a whole wall that's mirrored. My parents also like stuff. The house was filled with things and also a lot of plants as you know there's a lot of plants in my house Mm. Um, my parents had a lot of plants Uh, mainly my mom would kind of be in charge of the indoor plants my dad was in charge of the garden and my childhood room was probably pretty normal had books you know had things that I was making I liked to make things a lot when I was a kid so when did that uh, interest and later on develop into passion into fine art and architecture probably it was there probably all along like I did like to learn things and you know I I did play the piano too and the cello and the violin oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) and which one do you like the best um that's a really good question I think I loved the cello the most I was not um, cello is my favorite instrument yeah is it yeah it's so beautiful Mm. and big to play it you have to kind of hug hug it yeah you have to hug it to play it Um, it's a very full body kind of experience Um, but I was the most accomplished at the piano Um, and I think that was the one I was most excited to play when I was a kid I wanted to play that You have done so many different things. You know, you were a creator and Mm. then you are a designer, you are a curator, you're an architect and you are a teacher. Yeah. So there are so many different type of uh, creative mediums you have dabbled into. Mm. But I wonder what kind of like creative process from each medium mm. or differ from the other? Yeah, there are a lot of differences. There are also lots of similarities. And because sometimes I'm trying to figure out, you know, what, how do I make sense of all these things that I have done or like to do? And, and all of them are kind of very um, people oriented. You know, you can't do any of those. in real. I mean, as a creator, you could probably do that in isolation, like making my sculptures, you know, I actually do that by myself, um, kind of in isolation. But um, for all the other things, it's always about kind of this interaction with other people. But yeah, they're so different in so many ways. And they're all different in like time scales too. You know, architecture probably being the longest time scale, you know, in terms mm. of, you know, when you start a project, depending on what it is, let's say it's even a house, you know, something smaller than like a, a university building or mm-hmm. then, you know, like a museum. Those are kind of these much larger, larger scale, kind of yeah. scales and times. Um, but even with the house, it's just like, time from the beginning where you start a project where you think about what it might be like you start designing it you you know work with the clients and the homeowners through the time it actually gets built is so long and there are actually so many challenges along the way mm-hmm. and i don't mean that necessarily in a negative way of course right. everything is things challenging will come up, like but things walk. will yeah things will come up down <laughs> yeah. to the very littlest thing right and right. it's always like you're working through all these 
details all the time and the big picture too but it's always like you know there are all these things that you're always working through Mm -hmm. um to achieve this final um result Mm -hmm. and and so that's the kind of longest time scale and whereas something like curating an exhibition well especially with the festival because of the way it works you know we're always going year to year and maybe one day we'd like to be you know thinking about two years ahead um but we're always thinking year to year you know and so there's something about that that's you know it's much shorter you know you're going to start something you're going to see it through it's going to be realized Mm -hmm. um within that time period um and with its own kind of different kinds of challenges especially you know financial for example like the festival is a small you know grassroots organization um that you know doesn't have that much money so that's kind of interesting too to like how so it has its own challenge in that way which is Mm -hmm. also really it's hard sometimes but it's also really exciting like how do i do this with this much you know Mm -hmm. whereas with architecture there are those challenges too but usually when i'm working with you know on these certain projects the clients have budget you know Mm -hmm. like a real budget (laughs) You know, versus trying to do an exhibition for like $5,000, you know, mm-hmm. like it's a, it's a totally different kind of thing to take on right. and different things to work through. Yeah. And then yeah. I find teaching is a totally, it's a totally different in another way. Before we started uh, the photo shoot, you mm. meant, I asked you if you still are super cool, because mm-hmm. I think that was my understanding you're still there. Um, but you actually have left uh, last year. Yeah. So can you share the decision behind it? Uh, sure. After being there for quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. So I was there for seven and a half years. Um, you know, seven and a half years, I think that also can represent, you know, one kind of phase of your life. Actually, now you're, you're mentioning kind of interesting because apparently each seven year, every single cell in your body has changed. Oh. So and then there's a seven year of ache or something. Yeah, yeah. So seven year seems like a um, transformative accumulation of years Mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting oh yeah i didn't know about the cells changing yeah yeah so all my i became actually a different person then Mm -hmm. (laughs) like actually physically 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 i was an entirely different person at the beginning than at the end Mm -hmm. um that's really nice as it ties into that what we were talking about the kind of continuum between Mm -hmm. life and death you know that we are actually dying all the time that's true um uh but then this is interesting because then you lose you actually physically lose all of yourself and gain a different self. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I, it was really great, but I, it was just too much uh, after a while because I was balancing working there part-time, but really kind of intensely and very involved. Um, and then with the festival too, which is essentially a full-time job on its own. So I've always worked too much in my life. <laughs> I'm very even good at that. <laughs> even there are so many interviews about you. The title is like, she's not slowing down. <laughs> yeah. One day I will actually. I joke. I tell my husband, you know, one day I'm actually going to, I got to cut it really back. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's not that I'm going to go into like a kind of a, a quote unquote normal you know, 40 week schedule, I have to then cut it way back to balance all the years that I overworked, <laughs> I'm going to have to underwork, which might be kind of nice. When do you think that's going to happen? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you don't f- foresee it. I don't soon. foresee <laughs> it. But I do feel and it's maybe this year was a, a year where I actually felt like my age, you know, like it, you I felt getting older. And like physically, or physically, mentally? physically, I felt physically like I was getting older. My body started changing on me and um, I thought, oh, yeah, like this is how you go from a young person to becoming, you know, what your grandma, you know, mm-hmm. what kind of things you start noticing. Um, 
Definitely, like, okay, this is kind of embarrassing to maybe speak on a podcast, but just like... That's okay. I think a lot of women probably want to know too. (laughs) I got thicker. Like, my entire body, I felt, got thicker. Mm. Universally, but only very, like, minutely. You know, I don't think it's, like, something that maybe physically someone would notice, but I just felt like everything just kind of expanded in in this way. And my back started hurting a lot, so now I go to physiotherapy. And, you know, so every night I floss my teeth and I do my physiotherapy exercises. Every night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Wow. I'm trying to be good about that. But, you know, that's when you're like, oh, like, I come home and I floss my teeth and I do my exercises like this is kind of funny in a way. I mean, you know, yeah, just those kind of things. Yeah, I still remember my grandma when I was young, she would like playing with these like Chinese balls mm. to exercise oh, for her, her circulation. And yeah, yeah, I always thought I was kind of interesting. Maybe I should do that <laughs> to keep the dexterity, right? And the circulation. I actually yeah. have bad circulation, so that would be good to do Yeah, those. I think I do too. Yeah, mm-hmm. so just so those things. You just start to become, you know, your body, I don't know, or for me, my body was just this thing before, you know, and it worked and it, you know, was fine and, you know, probably looked fine too. And then you just yeah. realize, oh, it's starting not to look so fine. Like yeah. my feet are always dry. And- yeah. <laughs> It's just these silly things that, you know, actually is really nice when you actually have like a very complex job and or, you know, or jobs in my case, you know, and you're thinking about these like big issues or whatever. And then you think, oh, gosh, my feet are dry, you know, so there's these kind of you kind of alternate between these really deep and not deep thoughts, um, kind of trivial and, you know, important. You're just kind of wavering between all these throughout a day. Yeah. Um, How how do you kind of like drive yourself back when you're in like a deep philosophical thought process like you thinking about life universe and like death yeah and then like oh my feet are trying (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah I oscillate quite easily between all of that um because just the work I think so now my mind is like in the pattern where it actually can't even slow down that much just because you know the work the, the type of work I've been doing is actually quite frenetic so it's always like you know go 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 go, okay what's going on here who am I talking to you know Mm. go from this meeting to that like think about this project and then think about this other project and so I've actually feel like I've trained my mind to be fast but Mm. then I have a problem when it needs to be slow Mm. right when you're like okay I need to like let's like write this essay about this exhibition or let's try to think about you know or do some you know research or reading like I actually think then I have to like I've actually trained my mind exercised it to you know Mm. do the fast work and do the thing that's really good about switching and and then now I need to kind of do the opposite and try to slow it down and what kind of practices do you do to help you I don't have any (laughs) well you know sometimes that's actually you know maybe I have some I'm sure Um, you do it's really about the setting Mm. What do you mean? The place, like where I am. Mm. So I think I've, you know, there are certain places like my friend's cottage. I'm like trained to be, you know, to to function differently there. Mm. To be slow. To be able to, you know. Like you're surrounding an environment. Yeah. And and, Mm. and also it's a place I've gone to for many years of my life with my friend. And it's a different kind of pace there. So it has to be her cottage or it could be any cottage? I don't know. Maybe it has to be hers. Yeah, I haven't tested it. But um, so can you imagine you booked a cottage and yeah. you're ready to go and then switch off and you're like, yeah, Wait. I can't actually switch off here. There I can switch off, you know, and I yeah. can just spend the whole day reading. 
which is really nice. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really about the setting. Or sometimes I actually have to go to coffee shops to read. Mm. Um, yeah, maybe I trained myself that way when I was in grad school, you know, and I yeah. would just like just because at home I feel like, well, it's a very calm place. Sometimes I can also be a little bit restless. Yeah. You know, because I think about all the other things I have to do or you know because i feel like when it's calm you have no filter like, yeah so all the thoughts are coming yeah they're right? coming exactly yeah like right now it's so quiet if yeah. we don't talk it's like nothing yeah yeah so how are you dealing with which i love but yes exactly but it's maybe hard yeah to focus in that setting as well yeah because you think sometimes like when it's quiet it's easier to focus but sometimes it could be the opposite mm-hmm. when the brain is really trying to as you say has trained be trained by you to get to the next thought, mm-hmm. to process something quick and fast. I don't know. I have to work on that. <laughs> <laughs> now it's a really big topic mm-hmm. that um, I want to tackle is that how Design TO has all started. Original name was not Design TO, it was Toronto Design Offsite. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me about the whole journey. It's been 10 years. Yeah, this we're coming up onto our 10th year, which will be in January. And we started really small started with a group of people who are like-minded in all, in, you know, in different kind of creative uh, areas, working in different creative areas, and just came together to support each other, I think, to kind of create a community around the work we were doing. So at that time, I was uh, co-curating an exhibition at the Gladstone Hotel called Come Up to My Room. Oh, I remember, yes. Yep. So Come Up to My Room, nice. um, started by Christina Zeidler and Pamela Mathrew. And they, after doing it for five years, they were ready to kind of pass it on to the next, you know, group of people who would, um, you know, take this project that they created and continue it. And so that was one of my first kind of curatorial projects was working on that with other people that I didn't even know. <laughs> so working, that, that kind of was really interesting, yeah. like collaborating with people I'd never met before um, and kind of all the challenges and, and things you learn um, that's inherent with that kind of process. And so Come Up To My Room was going on. Um, Sean Moore and Julie Nicholson from Made, uh, the Canadian design store. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were doing um, an annual exhibition. Joy Charbonneau was doing one and Catherine Morley. And then part of our group was also Christina Zeidler, uh, who is the creative director and, you know, um, founder, owner of the Glassman Hotel itself. And she's also an artist. And so, yeah, we were all, we all kind of knew each other in some way. And we just got together to support each other mm-hmm. um, to create something bigger than ourselves. Um, and then that, like a collective. Yeah. Effort. Yeah. A collective effort, even though we were working on our own projects, a collective effort to bring, you know, the things, bring the things we were doing together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just went from there. So we didn't really know we were starting a festival is what I say, which is, I think, totally true. We knew we were starting something. We right. just didn't know it was called a festival, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and yeah, so it used to be called Toronto Design Offsite which um why why that name actually um trade shows or that was also happening so the interior design show was happening at the time um and they were the on-site you know everything Mm. happens at the convention center and for us we were off-site we were everywhere else in the city and so that's definitely like a hallmark of our festival that we Mm. happen all over the city um so sometimes we think people go to the festival without knowing they're going to the festival you know and it's in your neighborhood or you you're going with friends Mm. or you know about it somehow but you don't necessarily maybe even know about them through the festival at least Mm. not originally or you pass by something you know and so there's that kind of aspect of it too 
of course, now that we're much bigger, people know that that's what it is, that, you know, it's the festival. But we also like that aspect that other people can kind of go to things without knowing, you mm-hmm. know? You just yeah. feel welcome or you pass by or yeah. there's this kind of interaction that at the city level, at the neighborhood level, mm-hmm. um, that happens. And, and then sometimes because you don't know what you get into, you have no expectation. Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of op- have an open-mindedness when you actually see the art. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 10-year journey, I'm sure there has been so many challenges, joy, of course, and then um, a lot of sense of achievement as well. So tell me kind of what kind of highlights throughout the years that now thinking back kind of pop up in your head right now. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> could be that, good, could be challenging. Yeah, that, that we're even around, I think, sometimes. It's, you know, like, I'm a kind of person who doesn't think about the end result necessarily or like... You know, I don't know what a life plan is. You know, I don't think about things that way or like where I want to be in five years. I don't think that way. You and don't so really plan your life. I don't plan it like that. Yeah. Mm. How so do you plan it? Do I you think, plan? Um, I think I just take on things that are interesting to me. At the moment. At the moment. And then I work really hard at them. And I think that's what happened with the festival. You know, we didn't know what it was going to become. We didn't have a business plan at the beginning. Maybe I shouldn't be saying this out loud, but you know, we didn't. <laughs> no, but I think that's we a, didn't have a, you a lot know, of actually success as a business. We don't. Yeah, like we were just mm-hmm. a group that got together of people who cared about this thing and cared about our community and cared about supporting, you know, other designers and artists. And then this thing happened, you know. And of course, we worked at it, and of course, it didn't happen like blindly, mm-hmm. but in the sense that it wasn't like, okay, we're going to do this thing. It's this. It's, you know, it wasn't as kind of like concretely defined in the beginning, yeah. which is kind of nice because then we were responding for sure. um, and we were open and we mm-hmm. could grow in many different ways. Yeah. And so I don't think that, you know, year one, we thought we would be at year 10. Right, right. I just sure. don't even think we, at least not for me, maybe other yeah. people didn't. They have more, you know, kind of foresight than I do, but yeah. we didn't, I don't think I thought about that so that. You know, you can think, oh my gosh, 10 years ago, we got together and this happened yeah. and we created this citywide festival. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and literally kind of from nothing. Like we, you know, we didn't have money. You know, we probably cobbled together less than $1,000 our first year. Wow, um, really? And we just did it through, yeah, work, hard work, and then also tools and kind of things that were really free being scrappy about it being scrappy yeah mm-hmm. in the best possible way we were pretty yeah. scrappy you yeah. know and pretty diy and then and trying to do that as well as possible mm-hmm. um but really using the tools um and means that are that we had access to yeah. and that we could afford you know yeah. so i think that's how we've continued and we you know, got to work with so many people along the way that really believed in what we were doing and also donated their time. So for many years, we all donated all our time as well. So it was completely volunteer-based and we had in-kind contributions from people. Um, and so it was really kind of magical in that yeah. sense, right? Um, yeah. yeah. So from the beginning, there was no business plan. You just wanted to do it for loving this project loving yeah. the community wanted to bring someone uh, like a community together and um obviously you mentioned you didn't know it was gonna be such a like successful project that last 10 years mm. and it's still ongoing but get to one point you're like oh wow this is actually something yeah you know <laughs> yeah. it's not just the project um we started um just few people together anymore yeah. it's yeah. become something bigger than yeah. we imagined yeah yeah, that's probably, I don't know, 
I mean, we always believed in it. So, but there's maybe a certain point where it kind of got traction with kind of the general public or with designers outside of Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that was probably in, probably five years ago, like kind of midway between year one and now. And where I just feel like, yeah, we were just getting more traction and people knew about us and wanted to, you know, work with us and we wanted to work with them. And we kind of a couple more opportunities, um, you know, we maybe got some grants, you know, um, at that time. And so I think things started to open up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah, we're also looking at developing program for youth, for underserved um, youth. And so, yeah, I think we're just kind of figuring out ways that we could be of service mm-hmm. um, to the community, but also create something meaningful. So dig deeper. Yeah, dig deeper. Mm-hmm. And see where our own, maybe it's also like a little time for reflection. It's like, what do our, where do our own kind of, we've changed, you know, over the 10 years. And so, you know, the organization's always been very much about, you know, our collective values and always kind of, you know, respecting that. And so have those values changed? So we're going to undergo a, a kind of, um, I think it's called like strategic planning. I don't, I'm not so good at the terminology for those kinds of more mm. business, you know, <laughs> related things. Um, but we're going to go through like a, a strategic planning session to kind of, yeah, like look at the values we've, we have, have they changed? What else do we want to do? Um, yeah, mm-hmm. to figure that out. Cause sometimes you can also go on autopilot, right? Yeah. Um, but the kind of, great thing about kind of necessarily still needing to be a bit scrappy and DIY you know it's not like we have like millions of dollars and we can do whatever we want you know that aspect of not having certain resources in this case financial resources is interesting because you always have to be thinking on your feet Mm. you know you just can't get so comfortable because yeah you know you can pay for that or that or oh of course we can have that amazing you know speaker come over or we can invite that artist we have to find the ways in which mm. we can make that happen right. so there's also been a lot of partnerships um we've worked with a lot of other organizations mm-hmm. to collaborate and you know do get those things done right. and right. do the things that we want to do together yeah um yeah and are you on this full time now yeah, some other projects. Might yeah, be yeah, yeah, yeah. There are projects on I'm the side. Sure. <laughs> uh, yes, but yes, I I have full time hours on the festival, as, wow. as do a couple of others. So, how really, are you feeling about it? No, it's good. It's been that way for a couple of years. Um, so, full time hours on the festival and part time, part time, cool. yeah, and your projects, yeah, and then you were teaching for a bit. That was a long, longer that was time a while ago. ago. Yeah, yeah. I I I stopped teaching a long time ago. Right. Um, although. I'm very interested in it. So sometimes when an opportunity comes by, I kind of want to say yes, but I, I know to be like, remember to say no sometimes. <laughs> yeah, just remember now you're slowing down. Yeah, I've got to, <laughs> right. I've got to think about Some slowing down. Of slowing yeah, down. Yeah, I've got to think sure. about slowing down. Yeah. Yeah. And this is another big question. So as a creator, as an architect, you always producing things, um, could be, could producing physical things or could be producing a community, mm. curating a community. So what kind of things or legacy or that's a big word. Yeah, legacy is a big word. But what kind of thing you hope as we talk about death is mm. a bit morbid when, you know, you're reaching that point, hopefully in your 90s, 100s, what do you hope that you can leave behind? 
Yeah, well, that's, I mean, I maybe the festival is one of them for sure, right? Like, I don't know what it's going to look like, the festival. And when I'm 90, this will be like, I'll be 50 year no, 50 plus the 10. So soon the festival will be ex- 60. Oh my gosh. You're doing exercise. Doing my exercises. <laughs> the festival will be 60 years old. I don't know. Will it last that long? Maybe. Mm-hmm. I hope it will. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's going to be a certain point where, you know, the people who founded the festival are going to have to give it away right because i'm not going to be 90 and working on the festival um so that's an interesting question about legacy and so i think there's definitely part of what we'll start to do in the next kind of phase of the next 10 years which is how do we build something that we can give away to somebody else to to do or maybe and then maybe it changes you know i think that's i think that's okay Mm -hmm. you know you give it away it changes um and I think another thing you mentioned about you actually don't really plan so ahead. That could be a really beautiful thing to learn. Because mm. I think for many people, myself included, we always have to see so far ahead and to plan ahead. And sometimes that could be almost damaging to be content at the moment and then to kind of just enjoy it right now mm-hmm. instead of uh, always trying to chase after that something plan. else yeah. yeah no that's a really good point because i have to somehow sometimes i feel like it's negative that i'm not planning ahead or that i don't have a five-year plan you know i don't know what i want to be doing then but uh yeah but it's in the moment yeah mm-hmm. it's kind of like i'm working on this at the moment Maybe something else will come along. I'll say yes to that too. And it'll kind of join, you know, my roster of things that I'm doing, the projects I work on. Um, But yeah, it's in the moment and I just have to work as hard as I can on those things Mm. right now. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's a good wrap up. Um, Now... It's a rapid fire chat. Oh my gosh, I didn't know there was this part. Okay. <laughs> so, if you could visit in the past or traveling to the future, which one would you pick? I would uh, travel uh, to the past. And which era would you want to go to? Oh gosh, I don't know. Um, I think I'd want to go back. I mean, because a lot of my favorite artists are from this period, probably go back to like the 60s. So now it's a package. Please use three or less words to describe. Could be a feeling, could be a definition to you. Um, Could be anything. Uh, Love. Trust. I don't know how to describe, like the idea of something that's unspoken. Um, So maybe the word innate. Mm. Um, Two is fine. If Maybe okay too. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Good. It's hard. That's you asked some hard questions, <laughs> Sasha. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this is supposed to be rapid fire. By I know. Way. So it's like this is actually the opposite. Like I really stretched it out. <laughs> yeah, just like anything that come to your mind right now. Design. So three words mm-hmm. about design. Three or less. Three or so less. It could be even one. Um, every day. Um, everywhere. That's a good one. Design TO. Oh, gosh. Um, community, for sure. Experimental. That's really true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The words that you pick are pretty dead on. Except for the ones for love. <laughs> <laughs> That's more like a feeling. That's a feel. Yeah, love yeah. is a hard one. Anyways, yeah. I give you those two words for... Okay. Yeah. Art. Challenging. 
inspiring, unexpected? Architecture. This is the last one. Okay, architecture. Three words for architecture. I mean, hmm, it's hard to... I mean, I think about the city when I think about architecture, right? Just this kind of... Mm -hmm. But so maybe I'll just say city. It doesn't obviously architecture can happen in a non-city context. Um, and I think about people and about um, specificity. Um, last question before the recommendation part okay. is: uh, What are you currently seeking? What am I currently seeking? Mm -hmm. Or searching, longing, pursuing, practicing? I like all those words. <laughs> um. I'm definitely seeking to slow down. Okay, it will be some very interesting jam that people would like to know. So yeah, share maybe help us share this like recommendations you have. Could be someone like even locals don't know about. That would be interesting. Right, mm -hmm. I hope so. <laughs> okay, I'm excited. Okay, so um, we'll have to talk about Fawn. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite stores. I know, yeah, Love her most favorite, mm -hmm. and also the clothes that I was wearing for right. the photo. Um, they're she were all from Fawn. Really? Yeah. I mean, collected over time because right, I right, right. don't have the paycheck to match my. Um, Can you match? <laughs> you just like go in and like this, this, and that. I wish. I have to be very careful when I go in and like I you know. know pick the piece that I really want. Yeah. Um, another place, actually, right beside Fawn, is Atomic Design. Oh, I never heard of yeah, that. Yeah, so um, that's owned by Lawrence, and you know, it's a mid-century focused furniture, lighting, and objects. Okay. And most of them, I think, are some of them. Well, maybe not all, but secondhand. So, like, oh, um, really? And really interesting pieces in yeah. there. And I think he has a really um, great eye, and yeah. also a very deep knowledge mm. um, for the things that he collects and sells. Oh, that's really yeah, interesting. So atomic design. Yeah. Um, and then also nearby is a store called Average, which is more of a newer store. It um, seems like that's your hub. Yeah, a little bit. Maybe <laughs> you don't need to go too far to not shop. Not too far, but actually I'll go a, a little bit outside of that. But actually, yeah, it's <laughs> mm -hmm. interesting because you kind of, you know, you get you get to know very much the places mm -hmm. that are yeah. um, around you. But then also, I mean, some of these places I learned about through the festival. Like mm -hmm. I didn't know about them, even having grown up in Toronto and right. lived here for most of my adult life. Um, you know, you find out new things all the time. Yeah, and also just by exploring. I found a lot of stores through the festival as well. Great. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful because I think yeah. it's a way to discover the city. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so average uh, everyday products, mostly for the home, mm -hmm. um, tends to focus on like Danish. Um, and more European um, uh, manufacturers, yeah. but nice, you know, very carefully thought out right. and in like actually the very smallest space ever. Yeah. So it's a very intimate experience yeah. Um, yeah. to go in there. Um, there's also Fleur, you probably oh, know. Oh, yes, yes. Um, actually, Fleur is run by Chloe, who I've known since the 1990s. What? <laughs> yeah. We worked together when we were teenagers. No uh, way. Yeah, so it's wonderful. I mean, so Chloe wow. and I have, you know, not um, been super close in our, you know, um, paths right. the whole time, but we've always, you know, had these points where we re reconnected with each other. Oh, that's so um, awesome. So it was really wonderful to see her open this amazing flower shop. Yeah. yeah. And she's one of the sweetest people as well. I know. Yeah. yeah. So beautiful stuff there. Perfect. Um, and then uh, a little bit newer, Milky's Coffee. 
Mm-hmm. Have you heard of it? No, where um, is it? It's at Dundas and Bathurst. Okay. It's a little, also very small. It's interesting. There's maybe a little small theme here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a small space. Um, I think actually when they opened, they didn't have seating. Now they've kind of put mm-hmm. in a few stools. Mm-hmm. Um, really beautifully designed by um, a local architecture firm called Bate Shorebat. Okay, I think that's it. Anything else you want to share? That's great. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. You know how much I appreciate it. I do want to take a second though to apologize to our secret supply subscribers. I know I haven't been able to find time to send out anything for quite a while. You know, I didn't want to send out anything just for the sake of sending it. I actually want to take time to send something that you will find valuable.、Um, so sorry about that. You trusted me and sign up in hope to receive something valuable. So I will try my best in the new year to start rolling out some newsletter again.、Um, And if you haven't signed up yet and would like to take a chance on me, you can head to our website ideasecrets.com to sign up. All right. And before we're wrapping up today,、uh, I would just want to remind you one more time: if you can head to Apple Podcast to leave us a review or comment, I would really, really appreciate it. And also, you can follow us on Instagram at Dear Seekers. So see you in a month. Until then, keep seeking. Thank you.